Amen. Well, good morning, church, and happy new year. It's going to be a, a great beginning to the year because the kids told me I am not the oldest person in the world, which is a preferable answer to me. If you're the oldest person in the world and your family, that's okay. There's wisdom there, and it's not me, so that's positive still. Um, if you have your Bible, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 is where we're going to be today. Um, we are starting off this year talking about being rooted. And so as we go through the whole year, that's going to be our group focus is around being rooted in Christ. Um, and to do that, we're actually going to begin in about three weeks walking through the book of Luke as Luke chronicles the life and the teachings and the story of Christ as inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and I know as you, I, I love um, the stories of the Old Testament a lot. I love some of the depth and riches of Paul's writings inspired by the Lord. Um, that sometimes the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they can start to feel unbelievably too familiar. And I know that sounds really interesting to see, but, but I want to let you know this year, we're going to test that theory all that we can. Um, because I am believing after 25 years of marriage, Christy hasn't become so familiar to me that I don't need to see her very often anymore. You follow me? Like that, that's a bad thing. I don't want to be, I, I believe that the longer we're married, the more familiar we get, the richer our relationship is. And so this year, we're going to put that to the test in scripture. And we want to become as familiar as you have ever been, as intentional as you and I have ever been in getting to know Jesus Christ. And so a couple of things I want to tell you about before we get started. First, in a chair around you, we do this in every other seat, is a printed reading plan. And this is meant to be able to fit in your Bible to be able to do that. Um, mom and dad uh, in, in the church, men, women, uh, even kids, this is gonna be our reading plan for the year. And it starts in Matthew chapter one and it ends in John chapter 21. And it's just a few chapters a week. It's not, it's not gonna tax you. It's not gonna throw you off if you already have a regular Bible study that you do. But maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe you've thought, I've always wanted to read through the Bible. I've wanted to do that. Well, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be reading through a few chapters of scripture every week individually in our small groups, we are going to be talking about the beginning of every small group uh, this year by as, uh, answering, excuse me, a couple of questions. One, what does this passage reveal to me about Jesus? And what I love about it, our first reading is Matthew 1 through 3. Do you know how much happens in Matthew 1 through 3? There is a lot going on. There's genealogies, there's a birth of Christ, it's some really great stuff. And so what we want to see is that when we come together and we say, well, when you read this week, what did you see about Jesus? What did you learn about Jesus? It could be all over the place. And that's what we want. What is God showing others about his name and about his word? And the second one is, what does this passage challenge me to act to pray or to change in my life. Um, scripture isn't meant to be something that you and I just memorize for the sake of memorizing. It's meant to be powerful. It's meant to be beautiful, right? If, if your wife says to you, men, hey, it's a new year, I'd like to go on a date at least once a, month with, once, with, once a month with you. At the end of January, you haven't gone on a date and, and she comes and says, honey, I... I thought I said I'd like to go on a date once a month. And you said, oh, I know, I memorized it. In fact, I memorized the day. You told me that on January 3rd at 3.30 in the afternoon. Like, I have the date and the reference number absolutely right. She's not going to be pleased with you. 
She's not going to think you're amazing as a husband. She wants you to put into practice what you learned on January at 3.30. You, you, you follow me? Scripture is not just meant for memory and for having upon us. It's meant to act, challenge us to act, to change, to pray, to seek God more. So we're going to run through this, and I want to challenge you to do that. The kids' books, there's a lot in the Connection Center. There's some on this side as well. You can grab those. But that's the key. Um, Pastor Scott and Patty have been working on something awesome. If you have the Church Center app, on the home page every week, you can click weekly reading. And when you click it, it will open up a web page with all of the reading for that week right there on your page. So it'll be easy to access. We just want to help all of us be in the word together because we need to be centered and rooted in Christ and in his name. We want that to be established. And that's why we're back in Colossians. Not too long ago, we found ourselves in Colossians chapter 2. And we're just going to revisit it today as we get rolling. If you have your Bible, turn with me. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, as we walk through this morning. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving i mean when i think about this tree called methuselah that you probably couldn't see because it was micro machine small um, do you know this amazing thing that happens it's not about how big or how alive it looks in fact if i have my, my remembering happening currently there's about a 10 inch lifeline that all the nutrients for the whole tree come out of. 10 inches, this old tree, it's got about 10 inches. And that's where really all the nutrients come from. All the roots keep it grounded. But there's only about a 10 inch lifeline running up the middle of that tree where all the nourishments come to keep it alive for over 4,500 years. See, I think sometimes we think being rooted is our job. You know, and that's why, you know, these things happen. All of this um, exercise equipment, I don't know if someone shared it here, it was Pastor Jorge last week, is amazing, or if I heard it on the radio, so I'm gonna give Pastor Jorge credit. But how much new machinery is brought in to our, our gyms at the first of the year and how much of it is moved back out by the end of January? Like, it's, it's pretty incredible statistic. Well, I think sometimes we think, I'm going to be rooted in Christ. So we, we put all of these things out here so that we can be rooted in him. And we forget that it's not how many things that we're doing that draws us closer to Christ. It, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, that gives us life. But the roots that we put in him, they keep us near to him. And roots really tell a tree. I mean, we can see these giant oak trees in our neighborhoods, right? When a storm comes through, when Harvey came through, I remember when Ike came through, these giant oak trees in our neighborhood, you know what they did? They just fell over and their roots all came up with them. The Bible's, the wind's gonna come and all that's gonna happen. It's not about your roots, like how good you are. It's about what you're rooted in. That's important. And that's what we're going to focus on today because I feel like we start to believe that being rooted is something that we do. In reality, it's something He is doing and we are just enjoying the ride. That's what it means. 
So look in your Bible again. The Bible says, Colossians 2, Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, so walk in him. First of all, this is the, the creme de la creme. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Before we even get to rooted, before we get to being built up, before we get to strengthened and being stand firmly, it's what are you going to be rooted in? I don't know if you're a New Year's resolution setter or not. I feel like I don't say them out loud very often, but I have a lot of New Year's resolution thoughts. Amen? Are y'all like that? Like you have a lot? That way, if you don't do them, it's just you and the Lord, right? It's kind of, kind of the easy way out. This New Year's resolution thought that just comes in and says, Lord, I want to fill in the blank. I want to pay off this debt by the end of the year. I want to see these things in my children by the end of the year. I want to change this about me by the end of the year. I want to lose a little weight. I want to put on a little weight. Whatever it might, we have all of these things that we, we just start to think. I want to be established. But, but here's what I want you to know. Whether it's your bank account, whether it's your body, or because it's a B, whether it's your boyfriend, but a relationship. All of those soils are insufficient for you to be smiling and happy and full at the end of this year. All of those things will end up short. Your bank account could be larger than it's ever been and you will be as miserable, if not more, than you've ever been because your finances aren't a strong enough soil to bring life to you, to keep that established. Your body's not enough. Here's this crazy, are you ready for this? You should take care of your body. I should take care of my body. There's nothing wrong with that. But do you know you are not really in control of everything that goes on in your body? You're not in control of, of whether a, a, a disease happens, a bacteria happens, a virus happens. You're not in control of whether an accident happens. So if you're focused on that outcome and you're saying at the end of the year, this is what I want to be like, you're not in control of that. That ground is not strong enough for you. And those relationships around you, you may say this year, I'm going to be the best spouse I could ever be. I'm going to be the best parent that's ever walked to the face of the earth. By the end of the year, like people are going to walk by my house and see a glow and stop randomly and say, how do you do it? Right? And you might do all of those things, but your spouse may have a different plan and that's to make your life miserable, right? Your kids, that is their plan to throw you off. I mean, you just can't control, like I'm going to do these things and my relationship's gonna be great, but maybe your spouse is gonna go through a bout of depression. Maybe a season's gonna run up against you. And if you're rooted in saying, this relationship is gonna be better, my children are gonna be wonderful, your children may go through puberty. If that happens, this will not be your best year ever. Right? You can't, you can't let that be your soil. And you can't ask Jesus to water and fertilize that soil because he won't do it. See, what scripture says is as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. He must be your foundation. And that's why we want to read scripture together. That's why we come to worship God together. That, that's why we pray in the evening. That's why we do these games with our children about God's word. 
not because they are what gives us life, but they remind us that we must be rooted in Christ. And if you don't read your Bible, if you don't speak about Christ to your children, if you don't worship together with others, if you don't find yourself in small group community, it doesn't mean you don't have access to life. But I would bet 20 cents that your tree is gonna be uprooted very quickly because you're really being rooted in something else. So that scripture starts to say, just as you received Christ Lord, as Lord, now walk in him. Then it gets to the instruction part. So verse seven, let's go to it real quick. The Bible says it this way. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So, so this is the how, and you're gonna love it because it's like the anti-how. It says, first of all, just as you received the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord, so walk in him, rooted, it says, and built up in him. So rooted in him. The word rooted literally means set in place, firmly fixed in the ground. Now, now if you and I are going to receive that, we have to think differently, right? To be set in place doesn't mean you set yourself in a spot. You follow me? To be set in place means that someone outside of you had to put you where you are. We, we think about this with our children quite often. We will often pick neighborhoods. I remember we moved to the area. We were trying to pick a house to live in, and I, I called a school. And I said, well, we'd like to come see the school because we want to buy the house. And she said, oh, sir, that's not how it works. You go to school or you pick the house, and then that's the school you go to. I said, no, I know. We just want to pick the school to check it out first, and then we're going to buy a house close to the school. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. It doesn't work that way. You just have to pick a house, and good luck. I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't want to randomly be rooted in something and hope for the best. I want to set my family and my children in a place where they can run with friends and run the families who are close to my church. I want to set my children in place so they have the opportunity to grow educationally and in maturity. I'm not leaving that to chance. Well, spiritually, I want you to know something. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, He sets you in place. Now, to believe that takes two things. One, it takes this idea that you must submit your will. You have to get over this idea that I am in control. So you have to believe that, God, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to be confident in wherever you set me. I mean, the Bible has a great picture of this. You know the story of David and Goliath. Listen to what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 44. David, his child, coming up against Goliath, this giant. It's so great. When Goliath sees him, it says, he said, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. No, note to self, I was the little kid in junior high. And I remember thinking, I need to make friends with a big kid because I don't want to be in trouble and not have the muscle around me, right? I mean, I was little. And, and I knew that I could be outsized very quickly if I got in trouble. Well, David is this little guy and he's walking up to this man of a man of a man. And the man looks at him and says, come here, I'm gonna do this quickly. 
and then I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. Y'all, that would have scared the fire out of me as an eighth grader. But David was rooted in the will of the Lord. And so now I want you to imagine <laughs> a 12-year-old saying to Hulk Hogan, right? Andre the Giant, if you're a little bit older. David says, you come with me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. Well, I just come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. Well, this day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'll strike, that, strike you down and cut off your head and I'll give the dead, body, the dead bodies of the host of Philistines to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the earth that the world may know that there is a God in Israel and that all the assembly may know the Lord saves not with sword, not with spear for the battle belongs to the Lord and he will give you into our hand. Y'all, if an eighth grader talks, if you're a teacher today and an eighth grader says something like that to you, you're just like, oh, you're in detention forever. It, it almost feels unbelievable, doesn't it? Because no adult in their right mind would look at someone armed to the teeth and spout off that sentence with bravado. Like, you come to me like that? I'm not coming to you with anything. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And, and basically, you've insulted him. And so because you've insulted him, what you just said you were going to do to me, I'm going to do to you. And remember, like we're around puberty probably. So it could have been higher. I'm going to feed you to the bird. Like, like How in the world does he say that? Because God has rooted him. He didn't root himself. God has rooted him. He has fixed him. He has set him in place. He had given him a promise. And David's saying, I'm going to trust my whole life on this one. So if it means going in the valley, facing a big man, the giant that no one wants to face, I will face him because I believe in the Lord. I believe in my foundation. I believe in what he said. I mean, this is one of those speeches that's one of these like rousing points. Like I can imagine the valleys aren't ginormous. There's no bullhorns or sirens. I imagine that the Philistines hear him in front of him and the Israelites behind him. What do you think if you were an army soldier and you've been shaken in your boots and you've not been sure what to do and then this child walks out. We don't know his age exactly. His child walks out and he just hacks off the giant you really only have two word, two things. Is he speaking the words of faith that you wish you would have spoken? Or do you not believe in the faith that he is speaking? Those are your choices. Goliath gets going, David gets going, the rest is history. One stone, one sling, one shot, and the giant falls. Everyone who didn't believe in David all of a sudden believes in David. 
But David never believed in David. He believed in his footing. Church, this morning, my, my thought is, how are you planted today? Do you think that you have planted yourself in Jesus Christ? Do you think that you rooted yourself in him? Or do you submit yourself to saying, God, I will do that. I want you to know as you read through the gospels this year, listen to it. Jesus says, follow me. When men come to him, when women come to him, he says, follow me. Jesus in every case takes someone from where they are, a woman about to be stoned, a man caught and living in the graveyards, a tax collector in a boot, a fisherman by the sea. He uproots them from themselves and he settles them in him. So the first thing you and I have to know is that if we're gonna be rooted in Christ, then we have to submit. We have to have a confidence that says, God, where you have placed me is where I ought to be. And that's how Paul then says later on, no weapon that is formed against me will ever prosper. This is a man who was stoned, thrown in jail, shipwrecked, all kinds of things. And he's saying, none of it has ever had victory. What if you said this year, God, I wanna live a life where nothing has victory over me but you. It begins with saying then, I confess you are my rock. I confess you are my foundation and I will not stray. Rooted in him, verse seven, let's go again, and built up in him being built up i want to want to kind of walk you through that it means two things one it can mean growing or strengthening but it also means to pile up to build upon to build up and i want to step away from the growing and strengthening part because you and i are fantastic self-helpers amen like we we want self-improvement stuff and all those kinds of things i want you to move away from that when it says built up in him i want you to think pile it on has your boss ever piled it on you at work has that ever happened? Yeah, staff here, you don't shake your heads. But everybody else, have, has it ever just been piled on? When you, when you say it's being built up, if I, if I were to say, man, that skyscraper is being built up, would you think that I meant that the skyscraper is doing self-improvement projects on itself? No, you would think an outside force is building up that structure. If I was saying it's being piled on, you would never get a picture of me piling on myself unless I'm just digging a hole when I'm saying something, right? But we wouldn't think that. You would always think someone else is piling it on. See, when Paul writes, when, when you follow Jesus as Lord, stay rooted in him where he has settled you, being built up in him what he's saying is not, I wanna see if you can figure this out. Now that I have put you in place, now it's on you. And I think a lot of times we walk through scripture thinking that Jesus saves us and then we are responsible for everything else until eternity happens. Let me, let me help you out with that. Jesus does save you. And for some reason, he asks and invites you and I to receive that gift. 
He doesn't force it on us, but he invites us to receive it. When you and I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, here's what you need to know. It is still Christ working in you. It is still the mind of Christ guiding you. It is still Christ completing the good work. And really the question is, will you be obedient to the call that walked you in the door and put you in place to begin with? Or have you thought, well, now it's on me? We have Legos in our house, right? We have lots and lots of Legos in our house. I love watching Connor, watching Ashley Connor over Christmas playing Legos in the house, making something out of chaos. Church, that's what this passage points to. God is going to work in your life to bring all that is broken and show you how he builds it up for his glory and for your delight. That's just like Jesus. You'll read about it over the next year. He comes to Peter, a fisherman, and he uses a fisherman's example to bring Peter to a new understanding, to build him up. You'll read about Peter being in the boat and, and Jesus walking on the boat and saying, cast your nets to the other side. And what Peter says is, we've been fishing all night. This isn't how it works. We're even in shallow water. And, and he says, but I'll honor you because you are here. I'll honor you. Throws his nets over the other side of the boat. And there's so many fish, they have to call a second boat over so that the boat doesn't sink. In that moment, Peter falls on his knee before Jesus. And he says, I am a sinner. Jesus spoke Peter's language to help build him up in his understanding of what a right relationship with him was like. Later on, he would ask Peter, the same person, you'll read about it. Who do you say that I am? Peter will say, you are the rock. You're the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. The same Peter who Jesus spoke with has been built up to a proper confession of faith. See, church, this year, if you haven't been this way before, let me tell you now that this is a reason for praise and delight. To saying, God, I have a God who formed me and knew me and made me in my mother's womb. And that Lord gave his son for me so that if I am rooted in him, settled in him by receiving his grace as Lord and Savior, then he will keep working on my life. And so the same call that he gave to the disciples that I'll read about, the same way he challenged Peter, the same way he knew Peter, he knows me. Moms, who are trying to figure out work, being a wife, and being a parent. I want you to know the Lord knows all of you. And he knows the pieces of you that don't fit in those categories. And what he's saying is, let me build you up. Because it's not a struggle that's meant to be yours. I have made you a mom. Let me build you up as a mother. I have called you this season and this job. Let me build you up. 
I've called you as a spouse. Let me build you up. Because the enemy wants to tell you, you have to be the perfect wife. You have to be the perfect mom. You have to help with the income. You, 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 you. And Jesus says, stop. It's me, 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 me. Do you know how freeing that is? Ladies, are you, are you willing to believe that? Are you willing to believe that if you are rooted in Christ, that he will build you up in who you are? I'm telling you, he loves you just as much as he loved Peter, just as much as he loved James, and just as much as he knew John. And he knows you like he knew Matthew and like he knew Peter. And we'll read the story to remind you that he didn't make you and let you run off. If you have received Jesus as Lord, then live, remain rooted in him, being built up. And then it says, established in the faith. Established in the faith. In, in this part of it, it means remain in me. It means securely settled. Isn't that what you want? I mean, think about it. at the end of the day, what's eternity gonna be like? We are going to be securely settled in the gates of the kingdom, in the presence of our Lord, where sin will never entertain us again, where we will never struggle, there will be no more pain and no more hurt because we are securely settled. Joy will be unending, delight will be never ceasing because we are securely settled in him. Do you know when Jesus says, I've come that you might give life to the, give life to the full, it's not just for eternity, but it's for today. Wouldn't it be awesome to say, God, this year, I want to be securely settled in you. And that's just by being established in the faith. Lord, I want faith to drive me. I want faith to make my decisions on what job should I take. I want faith to make decisions on how to love my wife and children well, how to love my husband well. I want faith to make decisions on how to be a grandparent, how to pray for my family. I want faith to make decisions on how I endure this disease, this struggle, this illness I'm dealing with. I want faith to make that decision because when faith is what I am secure in, then the words of the Spirit are true that whatever we need, we bring before the Lord and we do it with thanksgiving. And when we bring it before him with thanksgiving, what we're saying is, I trust you, I'm secure in you, I believe in you. And in that thought, the Bible says that Christ will guard our heart and our mind in him and that peace rests upon us. But you can't be established if you aren't built up and you aren't rooted. It's like three circles. There's an and, an and, and an and in your Bible. It's not saying one, two, and three. It's like three things that must overlap. If you are rooted in Christ, what scripture is saying, then you are built up in him. It's gonna happen. And if you are built up in Christ, then I want you to know you will be established in him. You won't be established and, and not built up. You won't be rooted in him and not established in him. That overlap happens again and again and again. Listen to what Joshua says in Joshua 3, 2, and 4. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, of your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, 
Then you will set out from the place and follow it. Yet there will be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Don't come near it in order that you may know the way you will go because you have not passed this way before. Church, if you and I are rooted in Christ, then everywhere he calls us to go, he has already established that place, that situation, that relationship in his name. So he has either already defeated the enemies or brought together people for a celebration. It's not on you. In our home, we talk about it. We want to stay in his shadow. I don't want to be so far back from the Lord that I'm outside of his shadow and I've lost my way. And I want to be in front of the Lord pretending that I can presume about where he's going to go next or what he's going to do next. I'm going to stay in his shadow, established in him. And when you and I are established in him, scripture says, abounding in thanksgiving. It won't ever have a reason not to celebrate the life and the joy of what God is doing. And, and that's the difference about Jesus. You can look at the religions of the world and the ones that are man, man-centered, the ones that are in, in, a, in a false deity-centered or whatnot. Security is what they really start to lack. When we look at the, the word and the story of Christ, what he says is this, it's all about resting in me. And when you submit to me, it's not a burden, it's joy. When I am glorified through your life, your life is a delight. I think that's the call we're inviting you on this year as a staff. Every week we get together and talk through scripture as a team. Starting this week, we'll talk through our readings because we want to be reminded how good and pleasant and sweet it is to walk in Jesus together. But maybe this season, you have tried and tried all these things to get better, to be a better person, to get closer to Jesus or whatever. I just want to invite you to first receive Jesus as Lord. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's where it begins. You'll not know peace without of it. It's not going to happen. And so it begins by just saying, God, I submit my will to yours. I believe that your son is the only way to life eternal to this kind of established security. And I want that and I don't ever want to let it go. But maybe you have confessed that. And whether things are good or, or struggling, I want to invite you to something. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I don't know what your personal rhythms in Scripture are. I don't know what your family's rhythms in Scriptures are. I want to invite you, though, to just come to the altar and pray that this year, you, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, that you would say, God, I want to be rooted in you no matter what it looks like. I, I want to lead my family. I want my children to see that it's not about the trophies. We literally just threw away a box of trophies that have marked my daughter's life. Y'all, they are shiny trash. I want to encourage you 
Make this year not about blingy things that are just shiny trash, but instead make it about being secure in Jesus and having the delight that comes with it. So I'm gonna pray. The band's gonna lead in worship. I just wanna invite you. You can do it where you are, but I wanna challenge you. Grab the hand of your spouse, come up by yourself, higher will be, and just for a moment, kneel at the altar and ask the Lord to let you know what it is to be rooted in him this year. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your life and we thank you for your love. God, we wanna be rooted. We want that delight. We want that security. I want it for me. I want it for my wife. I want it for my kids. I want it for my friends. I want it for my neighbors. I want it for my church, God. But all, all I'm responsible for is me. So let me be rooted and established in you and let your reputation impact the life of my wife, the life of my children, the life of my neighbor and my church. Lord, let the burden of pretending to be Christ fall off of our shoulders and let the delight of being rooted, built up and established in you Mark who I am. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.